Hello, hello. How are you doing today? Everything good? What's been happening? Allow me to offer you a warm welcome to installment 12 of the Threadwork podcast. I am your host, Ross Kale, and let me tell you that I am just delighted that you've chosen to listen in. If this is your first episode, then welcome once more, and let me give you a super quick rundown of what it's all about, just in case you're here for a podcast about dressmaking or haberdashery in general. Threadwork is a podcast that looks to try and figure out what, if anything, it is that links together all the music that I and any guests I happen to talk to are into. What is it that threads all these disparate sounds and styles together? Is it one thing or many things? Is it obvious or obtuse? Is there in fact anything at all? Episodes where I fly solo are usually pulled together via a theme, but these aren't the threads themselves. They are simply an artificial constraint that I impose that helps act as a framework with which to build an episode together. It's my current way of coping with the tyranny of choice that my entire record collection threatens me with. Installments won't always be themed as I've got loads of amazing music that I really want to play that doesn't easily fit into any particular theme. But for the next couple of episodes at least, they are themed. Before I get on to this week's podcast, let me catch you up on what's been happening since last we spoke. First off, I received a little bit of positive feedback on the last episode, which was a re-presentation of a 16-year-old mix I pulled together in the early 2000s. I won't raid the past too often, but every now and then it might be fun to dust an old mix off and make it available as an episode. Also, while I was away travelling with work, I managed to catch up on a number of films, and whilst they're not exactly brand new, other than one, they were really good, and so if you're looking for something to watch, consider the following. I, Tonya, Lady Bird, and Adventureland. I also saw Black Klansman, which was really enjoyable and heartbreaking at the same time. And if you're into your films, then please consider checking out Brett Goldstein's Films to be Buried with podcast, which is part of Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces Network. It's a wonderful listen. This week I'm off to London to record a conversation for a future episode of the podcast with someone I am really excited to talk to. I won't potentially jinx it by saying who just now in case it doesn't come off, but all being well, as you're listening to this, it will be sitting on the hard drive ready for producer Bod and I to weave it into something for you lot to enjoy. Okay, a word on this week's instalment, which is a water-themed selection of music that covers a number of styles, genres and decades as usual. I've often thought that I have a predilection to aquatic sounds and overtones in music. There were loads of other records I had on the long list for this episode, so a part two may well be on the cards at one point. But there's something about water that's very evocative in music. And then there are aquatic sounds, or compositions that feel watery. But what does that mean? Well, I know I've played a couple of his records on previous episodes and spoken a little about them, but someone like Ross from Friends manages to capture a kind of submerged, bubbling, shifting feel on some of his compositions. And, to me, they often end up conjuring an image as well as obviously providing the soundtrack. It may seem like a strange touch point, but when I think about it, Chris Isaac's uh, Wicked Game from the early 90s is an example of a track that feels watery. What I am keenly aware of is that Wicked Game had an iconic video, especially for a young boy, uh, that was shot on a beach with the sea rolling away in the background. So is that the reason why I associate slightly reverby guitars and roomy production with an underwater sound, and so anything that is left or right of arc of that gets tarred liberally with a watery brush? Maybe. But I'm not so sure. It does sound aquatic though, doesn't it? It shifts and slides and ebbs and flows. I can only speak from my perspective, and whether others get a watery feel from it is up to them to say, but for me, if there's a dash of wicked game in a piece of music, then I'll be on the shore of it, gazing out to the horizon. Right, this intro's going on a bit, so let's wrap it up with a bit of admin. Language-wise, this episode is marked as explicit, but that's only because of the third track, which contains two beautifully delivered F-bombs. If that is of a concern to you, then please consider yourself not warned, but informed. The rest is plain sailing. As always, there is a Spotify playlist of the tracks in the episode that can be found at the time of recording, but also in the episode notes for this and every instalment, you'll find the full track listing and wherever possible links to purchase the music played. If you enjoy the music and have the cash to spare, then please consider making a purchase or two or more and supporting the artists and labels responsible for bringing it to us. Finally, if you like Threadwork, then please consider rating, reviewing, subscribing to and sharing the podcast. Tell a mate. Tell two mates, tell all of your mates, maybe your family if you like them enough, or indeed if you think it's a load of old rubbish and you don't like your family, then recommend it to them on that basis, one person's treasure and all that. Alright, that's enough of all of this, 
Here it is then, episode 12 of Threadwork, The Life Aquatic. Cheers.
If anything was going to set the tone for an aquatic themed instalment is the beautiful instrumental Sheffield on Sea by Richard Hawley and that's what the first track we heard was. Sheffield on Sea is a b-side track on the Valentine single from 2008 and I first heard it a couple of years ago courtesy of Jarvis Cocker's radio show despite being already familiar with Hawley's work. What I didn't know was that Hawley was part of Pulp for a time, the band fronted by Cocker since its inception, so it was good to discover that connection. Regardless of those links, Hawley is a great artist and Sheffield-on-Sea has a perfect lilting underwater feel to it that I never tire of hearing. Following that and playing away under us right now is Winter Island Romance by Heroes of the Galleon Trade. As far as I can tell, this double A-side release from 2011 on Golf Channel was the only release Heroes of the Galleon Trade ever put out, but as releases go it's a good one, despite the slightly dodgy vocal. And whilst it's slightly more cowboy in feel than Salty Sea Dog, the name of the artist and the quality of the music gave me reasons enough to include it in this episode.
screaming, I think we're gonna crash The driver's speaking and the car is still intact It was only mine up, oh that's the end of that
sit beside the breakfast table, think about your troubles, pour yourself a cup of tea, then think about the bubbles. You can take your teardrops and drop them in a teacup, take them down to the riverside and throw them over the side to be swept up by a current. Then taken to the ocean to be eaten by some fishes who were eaten by some fishes and swallowed by a whale who grew so old he decomposed. Do 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 he died. To the bottom of the ocean Now everybody knows That when a body decomposes The basic elements are given back to the ocean And the sea does what it ought to As soon as salty water Cause it tastes just like a teardrop And it comes out from a faucet Which is just about to Let's catch up on what we've just heard in the last section. We started with King Cruel's Dumb Surfer from 2017, and that was taken from The Ooze on XL. 
I simply love this record, and whilst King Cruel's vocal delivery at times isn't the easiest to listen to, I think Dumb Surfer is an absolute killer, and does that thing I find really effective musically, where a track starts all sparse or jarring or negative, and is then recontextualised through the introduction of another element, like a synth, or in this case, the guitar that fades up a third of the way through. That element just changes the whole feel of the song and is so effective for me. And a word for the percussion in the track too, which I think is amazing, clacking and shuffling all over the place. Incredible stuff. Following King Cruel were two tracks from one of my favourite groups of all time, Metronomy. We heard the title track from 2011's The English Riviera, which is a brief string-led scene setter, and then Reservoir from 2014's Love Letters. I know I've spoken of my love of Metronomy before, but it really can't be overstated, and the two albums those tracks are lifted from are, for me, as close to perfect as music can be. And whilst we're on the subject of perfect, the track that followed Reservoir was Nilsson's Think About Your Troubles, which is taken from 1970s album The Point. My dad gave me The Point to listen to when I was about seven years old, and if you're unfamiliar with it, it's a great thing for a kid to listen to, as it's essentially a fever dream-like narrated story interspersed with wonderful songs and remains a firm favourite to this day. Hot on the heels of Nilsson and playing now is a track taken from the Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou soundtrack, Mark Mothersbaugh's uh, Ping Island Lightning Strike Rescue Up from 2004. The Life Aquatic by Wes Anderson is up there on my list of favourite films and I shamelessly stole it for the title for this episode of Threadwork, but don't let that detract from the dramatic, hilarious quality of the music. Thank you. 
to the stunning Rain or Shine by Edinburgh-based trio Young Fathers, and which is taken from their second album, White Men Are Black Men Too, released in 2015 on the Ninja Tune affiliate Big Dada. I think this is a wonderful track. Intense, complex, layered, and to me, utterly unique. Ahead of that was Love Caboose by Geneva Jacuzzi from 2010, 
and I was first made aware of this track after the awesome Maria Minerva hyped it up somewhere on social media, and separately it was included on the Metronomy Late Night Tales compilation album. And as if that wasn't enough, whilst researching it for Threadwork, I found out that Geneva Jacuzzi worked with Ariel Pink on the track, and as a huge Ariel Pink fan, that was a pleasing discovery. There's a lot to love about Love Caboose, and mostly I lack the technical descriptors to do it justice, so I'll simply highlight the refrain of You should have known better, leave me alone, delivered in a faux British accent that reminds me, for some reason, of Joan Collins. And kicking off this section was Beau Mot Plage from 1998 by Isolé. I eulogised about Isolé's Brazil.com track on episode 5 or 6, which is up there as one of my favourite house records of all time, but this is probably his most well-known release, and is simply incredible. There are a number of edits and remixes that are all really good in their own right, but this is the original mix taken from the Rest album on the supreme German label Playhouse.
It doesn't really get much better than this, and I can only apologise for chatting all over the climax, but we're listening to, of course, the classic Love and Happiness by River Ocean featuring India from 1994. River Ocean is a pseudonym of little Louis Vega, who is one half of the legendary Masters at Work, alongside Kenny Dope Gonzalez, and who are responsible for countless works of art over their illustrious career. I'll be playing more Masters at Work productions on future episodes for sure, and I'm surprised it's taken this long to have one included at all. And this isn't to gloss over the incredible vocal by India either, which as you all have heard, is a force of nature. Before that was Way Out West's remix of Sea Dog by Clanger, released in 1997 on the Platypus label. And whilst Prog House slash Prog Break Stormers aren't usually featured on the podcast, that's for no other reason than I just hadn't found a place for one yet, until now. I have fond associations of this record after first hearing a dear friend of mine, Fred, play it at his house back in 97 or 98, and I damn near lost my mind. Thank you, Fred. And that's about that for this instalment of Threadwork. I do hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, huge thanks, as always, to producer Bod for production wizardry, and, of course, to you for choosing to listen. I've been Ross Kale, and Threadwork will be back in two weeks' time with another episode. But until then, we're going to leave you with the 1967 classic... Sitting on the Dock of a Bay by Otis Redding. Catch you next time. Cheers. In the morning sun I'll be sitting when the evening comes Watching the ships roll in And then I'll watch them roll away again Yeah, I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away Ooh, I'm just sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time I left my home in Georgia Headed for the Frisco Bay Cause I've had nothing to live for And look like nothing's gonna come my way So I'm just gonna sit on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time Look like nothing's gonna change Everything still remains the same I can't do what ten people tell me to do Here resting my bones And this loneliness won't leave me alone Listen, two thousand miles I roam Just to make this dock my home Now I'm just gonna sit at the dock of a bay Watching the tide roll away Sitting on a darker bay, wasting time.